following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, let's take our Bibles. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse Continue our study in the book of Peter. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> Bible says here in 1 Peter 2 and 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speakings. I'd like to preach on the subject tonight from this passage of Scripture. Wherefore, laying aside these things. Wherefore, laying aside these things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, as we look into thy word tonight, again, we're thankful for the freedom that we have as uh, Americans and Christians to come and meet with thee around thy word and i pray lord that you'd help me to teach and preach thy word and fathers we consider these things lord give us understanding of the importance of laying aside these things god bless your people and bless us now i pray in jesus name amen again wherefore laying aside these things now as we venture further into our study in the book of first peter peter is is saying this begins this chapter with this word wherefore Wherefore often says when you find the word wherefore, you need to find out what it's there for. And it's there because uh, Paul has been saying many, or Peter's been saying many things in chapter 1. And particularly if you see in verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart. Fervently speaking of not only their, the love of the brethren, but uh, talking about being sure they're born again. It says in verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. These things being said, that being said, he gets to chapter 2 and says, wherefore, laying aside some things. It's important at times in our lives we find ourselves maybe allowing some things to creep in or things have crept in or things just simply need to be dealt with. So it is that we're talking about the word, the phrase wherefore laying aside means to put off as one would cast off dirty clothes or filthy and vile practices as all these things are. In Romans chapter 13, look with me there. Romans 13 verses 12 through 14. Romans 13 verses 12 through 14. It's interesting sometimes the things that uh, the apostles that the Lord has uh, these men write to us uh, concerning the Christian life in Romans 13, and if you will, beginning in verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so he's, uh, he's uh, encouraging, exhorting them to, if you will, <clears throat> uh, put off or, or uh, cast off the works of darkness. Ephesians chapter 4 and 20. Ephesians 4 and 20. Here the Apostle Paul writing about something similar says in Ephesians 4. And uh, looking at verse 20, 
Here uh, Paul says, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off the former conversation, uh, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye may put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and a true holiness. Then he goes on and says, wherefore put away lying, etc., etc. So the idea here is, as Peter is speaking in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, if you look back there, is there some things that need to be put off as one, again, who would put off dirty clothes. You know, can you imagine... And sometimes maybe some husbands have done this. They go, they've gone out, worked hard, made a mess of their clothes, and they come home, and if they were to come home and just plunk down, a filthy mess plunk down somewhere on uh, the wife's clean furniture, what well, she'd have a fit. Well, you know, folks, uh, the important thing here to remember is there's some things that, that the Lord would have us to put off, and uh, would to God we'd not cause the Lord to have a fit over what we're doing. And not that the Lord is like a woman, but you know, folks, the Lord is not always pleased with everything that we do. And he is saying through the Apostle Peter, there are some things that we need to lay aside or to put off. The first one we want to consider tonight is, and it's interesting, he begins all of these, these different points with all. All malice, particularly extreme enmity of heart or malevolence, a, a disposition to injure others without cause from mere personal gratification or spirit of revenge, unprovoked malignity or spite, as, as well as all kinds of evil. And it's interesting, um, there are some, I can remember some kids when I was growing up, and the one in particular, and he was one of three brothers, and he was the oldest, and he was just as nasty as he could be. And every opportunity he got, he went after his other brothers and went after people. He was like a bully, he was just nasty. And and nobody liked to be around him, and I'd sometimes have to ride the bus with him and put up with the, the nastiest kinds of things. You know, God doesn't want us and would have us put away all malice. You know, people like that are hateful. Some people are looking for a way to revenge themselves against what maybe a supposed evil or what have you. Look with me to verses 15 and 16 of 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. The Bible says here, for so is the will of God, that with well-doing he may, may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. You know, folks, just because we're free in Christ, we're, not, we're saved by grace through faith, it is not to be given, it doesn't give us a license to sin. Amen. We're not to, how, the, we, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? If you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, look with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and beginning in verse 6. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul is dealing here with the church at Corinth, and if you will, the purity of the church. And <clears throat> he says here, uh, it says, your glory, well, let's, let's get the context. Look at verse 1. It's reported commonly that there's fornication among you, and, not so much, and, and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already, 
as though I were present uh, concerning him that had so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh and the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. They were refusing to take action against the outright immorality and they were doing so under the guise of love. You know, folks, love does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. There are times when if someone is living in open immorality and violating the purity of the house of God, his own purity and what have you, and won't do anything about it, there, there is something called church discipline. Paul is speaking of that. It is the last resort, not the first course. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 1, ye which are spiritual, if you see such in one, well, let's read it. I was going to get to it, and I'll come back to it. Look at Galatians 6 and 1. I always try to quote, and then sometimes I forget. <clears throat> Galatians 6 and 1. The Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one of the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are times when uh, the pastor or the members of a church have to deal with open immorality in church discipline. Now look back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6. <clears throat> verses 1 through 5 give us the context of what he says here in verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and the truth so he's, he's dealing with, if you will, malice. And, uh, and really there was a malicious attitude that this man had in continuing in rebellion uh, of his sin. If you look at me to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 14 and uh, verse 20. <clears throat> now when we talk about church discipline and doing wrong, we're not talking about uh, mild, small things that you may be struggling with personally. We're talking about huge issues that need to be dealt with, but he's talking about particularly malice here. And he says in verse uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 20, it says, Brethren, be not, children in uh, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but understanding be men. And he has been dealing with some problems within that church at Corinth. You know, a lot of times the uh, the Charismatics use First and Second Corinthians as a, a guide for spirituality and speaking in tongues and all kinds of things like that, not always realizing that First and Second Corinthians are books written to correct, not commend for behavior, rather correct bad behavior, if you will, Ephesians 4 and 31. Ephesians 4 and 31. We're, we may be saved by grace, but folks, God is concerned about the way we live this in this life and gives us instruction concerning our behavior. Ephesians chapter 4 and 31. Ephesians 4 and 31. Here Paul writes again, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's important that we're kind 
rather than uh, being hateful and spiteful in our behavior. And then if you will, in 1 Peter chapter 2, looking back there, he says here, uh, we're, <clears throat> we're to lay aside all malice and, if you will, all, secondly, all guile. Now, all guile, guile speaks of deceit of all kinds. Deceit of all kinds, if you will, in 1 Peter 2 and 21. 1 Peter 2 and 21, you look further into the chapter, we find a good example of one uh, that we should follow. Verse 21, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So we find Christ as an example of one who, uh, <clears throat> if you will, uh, was not deceitful in his speech. First Peter 3, First Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It's not so with us. Sometimes we are deceitful. Sometimes we have a trouble with malice. In First Peter chapter 3, here the Lord says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and uh, do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. <clears throat> Someone once said, Philip Brooks said this, It is an awful hour when the first necessity of hiding anything comes. The whole life is different thenceforth. When there are questions to be feared, eyes to be avoided, and subjects that must not be touched, then the bloom of life is gone. He's talking about living in deceit, living a life of deceit. Psalm 34 and 12. Psalm 34 and verse 12. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, what, is, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Again, we're talking about the quality of our life. Even as Christians, if we persist or if we have a problem with guile or deceit of any kind, it's good to put it away. Look with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John 1, and look at verse 45. John 1 and 45. <clears throat> John 1 and 45. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. But he says in verse 47, Jesus says of Nathanael, Behold an Israelite, and indeed in whom is no guile. Now, you know, 
it, it is a sad commentary that on Israel and the Jews sometimes that they had a reputation of being people that were deceitful and people that sometimes could not always be trusted and Christ himself spoke to that issue going back if you will to the father of Israel the nation of Israel being Jacob you look back to the life of Jacob and you find Jacob to be a supplanter one who if you will through deceit stole his brother's birthright and his blessing and what a sad commentary now we know that Esau didn't didn't take it seriously until he lost them both it's sad to say but you know that kind of reputation of deceit uh, carried through even into into Christ's day and Christ spoke of Nathaniel as not as being someone a little different than the average Jew and what a sad commentary what a sad reputation to have as being one who is deceitful Abraham Lincoln said this you can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time but you cannot fool all the people all the time I couldn't believe it when I realized Abraham Lincoln had said that I don't know that he coined it necessarily but he spoke of it himself and it's so true when we think about <clears throat> the idea of deceit Look with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> and let me say this. There are people that even profess to be Christians that are not always what they seem to be. It's just a fact. And <clears throat> sometimes they are deceivers. They are deceitful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul writes here, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before, we were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth, our hearts for neither at any time use we flattering words as you know nor a cloak of covetousness god is witness nor of men sought we glory neither of you nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of christ but we were gentle among you even as a, uh, a nurse cherisheth her children so being affectionately desirous of you we were willing to have imparted unto you uh, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Now he goes on to say these things because he's trying to remind them and encourage them in the fact that they did care for them and their coming to them was never in deceit or guile. They were honest, caring about them in the ministry. And if you will, then we're, as we're talking about 1 Peter 2 and 1, look back there again. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> Again, wherefore, laying aside, first of all, all malice, secondly, all guile, thirdly, all hypocrisies. Now, you would say, well, can there be hypocrisy in Christianity or in, in the realms of it or among even Christian people? Yeah. Yes, there can be. And it's sad to say the word hypocrisies means simulation, a feigning to be what one is not, and feigning means to be faking at it, 
or dissimulation, a concealment of one's real character or motives. More generally, hypocrisy is simulation or the assuming of a false appearance of virtue or religion, a deceitful show of a good character in morals or religion, a counterfeiting of religion. And folks, there's a lot more hypocrisy that goes on in religion and even sometimes in the realm of so-called Christianity than we might like to imagine. In Luke chapter 12, look with me there. Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> and, it, and it wouldn't, you know, the Lord wouldn't be wasting his time speaking or having the apostle Peter write to Christian people or profess Christians concerning this matter if it were not a problem. In Luke 12 and 1, in the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trode one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, speaking of Christ, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and leaven is a type of sin. It's a picture of sin. Leaven is, uh, is if you will, the, uh, the agency or whatever that gets into bread and what have you, causes it all to, to be able to rise. It affects everything. So it is with this. He says, Beware of leaven, the leaven of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Now, you know, it's amazing sometimes how much energy people put into play acting, pretending to be something that they're not. And I've said this many a times, but I'll never forget a young person I talked to that said to me that it seemed to be in his family, maybe it was just in his life, that they had a philosophy of fake it till you make it. And it was sad when I heard that. I thought, I thought can this be true? Well, <clears throat> I don't know for sure, but what a sad commentary for this young man to say. He says, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said this, if I were two-faced, would I be wearing this one? I thought, wow, I wasn't thinking of you, Chloe. <laughs> Matthew 7, Matthew 7. You were gone, you got out of church quickly this morning, uh, Chloe, so I, I you, you know, then I, I couldn't shoot at you. But since we're talking about hypocrisy, I better not say I love you. Oh, oh. Matthew 7 and 1. The Bible says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now he's not saying that we should never judge, but he is, he is if you will, condemning hypocritical judgment. John 7. John 7. Look with me there. <clears throat> John 7. And verse 21. John 7. And verse 21. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said unto them, he's dealing with the religious leadership of the Jews who were accusing him. 
of doing wrong, he'd healed someone on the Sabbath day. Jesus answered and said to them, I have done one work, and you'll marvel. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And yet on the Sabbath they circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath they receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are you angry at me because I've made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. He's basically calling them hypocrites because they were violating the Sabbath and, and getting away with it. They're accusing him of violating the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath, the Bible says, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We don't wor- the, the, the Jews were not to worship the Sabbath, but to use the opportunity for, as a day of rest, but not so that you couldn't do anything at all, no good at all. Here Christ is healing a man on the Sabbath day, and they're being cri- critical of him. You know, it, it was, it, the, the, the hypocrisy was rampant. <clears throat> There's a story told of a man who came down from the North Carolina mountains. He was all dressed up, and he had a Bible under his arm, and <clears throat> he was headed uh, down the road, and one, one fellow stopped him. And he said, Elias, he said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to New Orleans. He said, I've heard that, uh, uh, that uh, it's, uh, the, the, the uh, drink, the alcohol is running. He said, uh, if you will, <clears throat> uh, the gambling is running. And he says here, a lot of real naughty shows are on, on, on tap down there. And he had a Bible under his arm. And he said, but why are you dressed up? And why a Bible? He said, well, if I go down there, And if things go pretty well, he said, I might stay over Sunday. Hypocrisy. Might stay over Sunday after he's been drinking, gambling, and who knows whatever. Galatians 2, Galatians 2, 11. Now that's not biblical Christianity, by the way, in case you hadn't noticed. Galatians chapter 2, and let's begin in verse 11. Galatians chapter 2. And verse 11, but when Peter was come, now this is Paul writing about when Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood into the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came uh, from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, which were Jews, Jewish Christians. And the other Jews dissembled, Likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the men of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You know, he's, he's speaking of the hypocrisy. As a matter of fact, the word dissimulation means the act is dissembling, a hiding under a false appearance, a feigning, a false, pre, uh, a false pretensions, hypocrisy. And here it was, here was Peter, Peter an apostle, was guilty of dissimulation, hypocrisy. He, he was living uh, with, if you will, the liberty of a Christian and not bound necessarily to by all the, the ceremonial law anymore of the Jews. And yet when some of the Jews who had been saved who were still trying to hang on to the law, came. He, said, he got upset. He thought, well, okay, I better not live like that in front of them. 
You know, folks, let's live according to the truth of God's word. Let's be honest in how we live. And not, listen, folks, not change the way we live depending on who we're with. You know, I think of some people who, are, who we might call chameleon Christians. With one group, they're one way. With another group, they're another way. And, you know, to look and observe that, you might begin to wonder just which way is the right way, the true way with them. <clears throat> a story is told of an Irish priest newly arrived in New York City. He decided to visit the section known as the Bowery, haven of homelessness, alcoholics, and other derelicts. As he walked down the Bowery one night, someone came up behind him with a gun and stuck it in his back and said, give me all your money. Well, the priest began to take his wallet out, and suddenly the crook found out that he was a priest. And he said, oh, Father, I didn't realize who you were. He said, uh, he said I'm sorry. He said, I'm sorry I'm do I've done this. He said, keep your money. And the priest said, don't worry, just pray and, and ask for forgiveness and, and what have you. And, here, and by the way, uh, he said, the, the priest looked at him and said, here, by the way, let me give you a cigar. And the, and the priest said, er, and the guy said, well, well he said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. He said, I never smoke cigars uh, while I'm uh, observing Lent. <laughs> you say, does that kind of thing happen? Probably. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm amazed. Uh, it's amazing the things that, pe you know, people, people will give up things like chocolate on Lent while they're doing everything else wrong. Worst things wrong. They give up Lent, give up chocolate for Lent. They ought to give up Lent. <laughs> but nonetheless, look with me to First uh, Peter 2 and 1. First Peter 2 and uh, verse 1. Laying aside, if you will, some things here, these things. First Peter 2 and 1. <clears throat> Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, and all envies. <clears throat> envies speak of the hatred of others on account of some excellency which they have or something which they uh, possess which we do, not, which we do want. Look at me to Psalm 37. Envy is a difficult problem, and any one of us can be guilty of it. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, the Lord speaks much of it in the Scripture. But in Psalm 37 and verse 1, Psalm 37 and verse 1, the psalmist writes here, and God says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious of the workers of iniquity. Sometimes we look at the world, we look at what people seem to have and looks at even david said in psalm 33 or psalm 73 he said i was so foolish i was envious of the wicked when he looked and saw how it looked like everything was going well for them and he was struggling with difficulty as a christian but he says here uh be thou envious neither be thou envious against the work of iniquity why for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as a new day. 
Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. You know, folks, are the, the evildoers, the people that uh, seem to be prospering now, one day will pass off from this world through death and face judgment where we won't. And, you know, folks, God, listen, the Lord has never forsaken his people. God will take care of us. Sometimes, though, we look around and we see what other people have or, or we, we see prominence or whatever that we think that they have, and we say, boy, I wish I could have that. Well, the Lord hasn't given it to you. Okay. Okay, let's learn to be content. You know, if we're envious, we'll find ourselves, uh, finding ourselves uh, disobeying the Lord. Look at me to 1 Samuel 18. 1 Samuel 18 <clears throat> We see an example of one who did envy another in 1 Samuel 18, and it led to violence. In 1 Samuel 18 and 6, <clears throat> and it came to pass as David came, as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. Now he was sent out there by Saul, if you will, to... to uh, take a tail or what have you of uh, foreskins. But he says, and it came to pass, uh, they came, uh, as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands, and what more, <coughs> and what uh, can he have more but the, the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that uh, the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times. And there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it, and David avoided out of his presence twice. Now, why would he do that? Because of the envy that he had for David. You know, the people were looking at David as a conquering king almost, and they said, well, Saul slain thousands, but David ten thousands. And he envied, envied David. He envied their praise. He envied the, the honor they showed him. And it almost led, if you will, uh, to him trying, well, he did try to commit murder twice with David. God protected David, but it was envy that motivated the hatred and even the violence. In Proverbs 14, uh, look with me there, Proverbs 14 and 30. <clears throat> it's amazing sometimes that how much violence is motivated by envy. Proverbs 14 and verse 30. Proverbs 14 and verse 30. The Bible says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones, meaning that envy is the opposite of having a sound heart. One who is struggling with envy is not right with God, as they ought to be, and if, not, if they're not careful, could find themselves doing things they wouldn't imagine that they could do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. <clears throat> Paul dealt with this with the church at Corinth. They were not a very spiritual lot. <clears throat> in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, Paul writes, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Carnal means to be fleshly, not motivated by or led by the Spirit, but by our own flesh. He said, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet uh, now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for where is there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk as men? Often where there's envying, there's speaking of strife. For while one saith, I am of Paul, another I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed even as the Lord gave to every man? You know, the Lord isn't, the, they, were, they were holding one up against another, comparing preachers with preachers, and God calls it carnal. Bible says they comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's a carnal, a fleshly thing. And sometimes in this instance, Paul said it was motivated by envy. Sad when that happens. Look at me, James 3. James 3 and 13. James 3 and 13. You say, well, I don't, I'm not having trouble with these things. Well, praise God. I'm glad that you're not. But by way of preventative medicine, let us consider that maybe we could in time. In uh, James 3 and 13. James 3 and 13. Here James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. Who is a wise man? And endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of, a, out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without a partiality and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. But again, envying is often akin to or uh, connected with strife and other kinds of problems. And folks, any one of us, if we're not careful, can be guilty of any of these things. And if we are, folks, we need to ask God to give us the grace to put these things off, to put them off. Someone once said, the only thing more disturbing than a friend with a noisy old car is a friend with a quiet new one. You ever seen somebody driving a new car and think, whoa, whoa, would I like to have that car? What's motivating that? Envy, envy. Lastly, if you will, all evil speaking. And this means speaking against others. It would include all kinds of, or all unkind or slanderous speaking against others. This is by no means an uncommon fault in the world and is one of the designs of religion to guard against it. <clears throat> Look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. There is a word here that's, that uh, is a little different, but it speaks of evil speaking. In 2 Corinthians 12, and verse 20, the Bible says here, <clears throat> For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall uh, be found of, unto you 
uh, such as you would not, lest there be debates and envyings, wrath, strife, backbitings, whisperings, tumults, uh, swellings and tumults. Now the word that's akin to evil speaking is backbiting. Remembering that backbiting is the act of slandering the absence, the, the absent, the act of slandering someone who's not there, someone who's not here, what have you. You know, you'll be talking about someone and they're not there to defend themselves. And folks, it's sad when we slander someone with our mouth. And, you know, slander can take place in, in, uh, among two people. And <clears throat> there are times when there are times when things have to be said, but we have to be careful in how we say what we say. We need to be careful that we're not motivated just because we, we have found something out and we want to speak of them. You know, most of, this, most of the things we find out about other people, we ought to pray about and never talk about. You know, what bothers me is when someone comes to me and says, well, a preacher, we need to pray for so-and-so, and then they begin to slander that person. Well, that's not spiritual. That's not spiritual at all. It's backbiting. <clears throat> and let me say this, it's not to say that maybe the person isn't doing something wrong. But we need to be careful about what we say. And let's, folks, let's not be so naive to imagine that God's people can't be guilty of the things we've been talking about. If that weren't true, then, then why would the Lord take the time to teach us as Christian people that we need to lay aside these kinds of things? <clears throat> William Penn said this, Never report what may hurt another unless it be a greater hurt to conceal it. There's a lot said there. Colossians 3 and 8. Colossians 3 and 8. <clears throat> Bible says here, but now, but now, not later, but now, ye also put off all these, all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And he's not necessarily talking about uh, uh, cursing and swearing. Sometimes filthy co communication can take the form of slandering someone else, backbiting them. First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. And verse eight here in this particular chapter, from verses one through seven, we have the qualifications for a pastor. Secondly, in verses eight <clears throat> uh, through uh, verse thirteen, we have the qualifications of a deacon. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Let, all, let these first be proved. Let them use uh, <clears throat> the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives, and so there are qualifications, even for the wife who, who is the wife of a deacon. And deacon is a servant. He is not a potentate. He is not some grand leader uh, who's not willing to serve, but rather a servant. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacon be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own household well. For they that have used the office of a deacon purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. But even the Lord dealt with 
the wives and maybe sometimes the tendency of the wife to be involved in slander or backbiting. <clears throat> William Shakespeare said this, He that filches from me my good name robs me of that which uh, not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. Let me read it again. He that filches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. You know, folks, it's important that, you know, the Bible says a good name is, is something that, uh, that we wouldn't want to, to lose, a good reputation. And yet sometimes people will choose to speak against people, slander them, <clears throat> speaking evil of them when they're not around. See, now, folks, never to build them up. Never to build them up, but to pull them down. And sometimes we disguise our motivation with hypocrisy. We disguise our motivation with hypocrisy. In Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, <clears throat> and verse 3, Titus ch chapter 2 and verse 3, the, the, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Not false accusers, meaning not being slanderers, if you will. James 4.11, James 4.11. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. James 4.11. He that speaketh evil of his brother... And judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if, if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. We need to be careful about judging one another and speaking evil of one another. Now, <clears throat> it's not to say that maybe some that we're speaking of are not wrong. But we need to learn to keep our mouths shut. We need to learn to keep our mouths shut. And don't be naive for a moment to think that Christian people can't do wrong. You know, we want to encourage, we want to support them, we need to pray for them. But when maybe it would come out of your mouth, uh, preacher, we need to pray for them, and then we go on to slander. Let's leave off the slander, let's leave off the talk, and let's maybe even leave off talking to the preacher about it and pray about it. I mean, genuinely pray about it, show the, the right concern with the right kind of behavior uh, corresponding with it. And folks, all of us, if we're not careful, get caught up in this kind of behavior. Some of us bring it as baggage from the old life into the new life, and God says we need to lay it aside, put it off. And if we're struggling with something like that or behaving in a certain matter, now's the time to deal with it. If the Lord is bringing it to your attention, it's because we need to deal with it. All of us. Look at ourselves. You know, don't worry about what's, what you think is going on in somebody else's life. As we speak tonight, as we've spoken of these five things, what is it the Lord wants from you? What is it that the Lord wants from me? Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. 
If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.